Welcome to the Partner Running Show, a show for runners and soon-to-be runners from around the world as we talk all things running. The Partner Running Show is hosted by a couple on the run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, and proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine. And now, on with the show. Well, welcome to the Partner Running Show on this 14th or 13th of July, 2015, no matter where you may be in the world, uh, Bastille Day in France, and I noticed there the people running the Tour de France running ra- race, uh, looking forward to a quieter day or a easier a day of running day, for, eh? uh, for the Bastille Day. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm Andrew O'Brien, and I'm here in the Partner Running Studio with Sue O'Brien. How are you going, Sue? I'm going very well. Uh, good to have you here again. And... Uh, a busy show today. Our sort of our feature topic was was uh, sort of going along nicely. We were looking, going to look at, and we still are, thirteen point two workouts for your marathon success. Uh, but sort of added in at the last minute uh, as a result of a story that broke yesterday, and that is, uh, the government has decided that they're going to make the Kuala Lumpur, the KL Marathon, change dates because uh, they've got this. Oh, we're going to have a National Sports Day. And so uh, almost two months after 35,000 runners uh, signed up for a sellout race, they signed up in, I think it was five days it took to sell out, uh, they've changed the date. So uproar for uh, many of the locals, uh, justifiably, and even more so for international runners who've booked flights, made accommodation, and people pouring money down the drain can't get refunds, all sorts of things. It's created uh, a bit of an uproar overnight, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time having a look at that. Uh, Also on the show, I suppose our regular segments, we're going to have a look at the news, a bit of a follow-up from some of last week's stories. Uh, Ask Sue, of course, the the segment everyone's waiting for, and uh, we'll finish the show with having a look at uh, some of the things that mm-hmm. are happening ahead. Anything else I need to say before we move along? No, no. I'm I'm keen to get to discussing the uh, Standard Chartered Kuala Lumpur Marathon debacle, Just I think is a good word. You wouldn't be happy if you were the sponsor. Anyway. Over the shoulder. A quick review of last weekend's running. Well, I might talk about some of the littler news first, will I? And then we'll uh, littler news, less less controversial news yes. going on around okay. the place. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, so we've got a couple of little quick results of interest. And one of them, we followed quite a few friends, including Michael Dale, running the Cairns three in three days marathons over the weekend. A trail running event and looking at some of the times, I suppose, that runners ran and the photos of the course photos look spectacular by the way up in the hinterland around cairns so there were lots of creek crossings i think someone mentioned 26 creek crossings over the three days so a good chance to get your feet wet as you ran through those pretty warm conditions and uh, again that spectacular scenery rugged terrain and the winner of the over the three days of the three marathons frank bittner won the male section and maggie jones won the female section but this is a really interesting concept and uh, good luck to the organizers in years to come it's become a, a highlight of the cairns road running or running scene 
Now, another race of interest, not a marathon as such, but that did capture quite a lot of interest from trail runners and people that are just interested in a great spectacle, the Hard Rock 100 um, held over last weekend. And this is known as one of the more difficult or challenging 100-mile events in the US. And we've had one friend, Andy Hewitt, that has run it and uh, has spoken about both the beauty of the course and the challenges of the course. And winner, Killian Jornet, a famous uh, trail runner, set a new record and again described this as one of his favourite events, that the scenery and the difficulty, the challenges involved, they go through snow, they go through water, they take in some of the beautiful mountain scenery of Colorado and... Uh, it did look spectacular indeed, and Anna Frost won the female section, so lots of pictures, and sort of significant that they kissed the rock at the end. Welcome to the rock. Welcome to the rock, as they do. Um, now, Portland Half Marathon, uh, f from one sort of kissing or joking aside, uh, this event was highlighted by a policeman running in full uniform, followed following a social media campaign, which started off as a sort of joke amongst his friends and then the dare was set that if he got um, a certain amount of likes on Facebook with this concept he would run in full uniform which he did pretty uncomfortable maybe now the other event that was on on the weekend in the US was the Missoula Marathon and it saw Jeff Galloway run his 200th marathon which in itself is a great accomplishment but it also coincided with his 70th birthday and uh running side-by-side side with his wife, Barbara. Local runners won this event, and that was a bit of a highlight for uh, the local running community. There had been three elite runners that had been scheduled to run this event, and it just shows that the winner actually described his disbelief that he'd actually ended up winning it after having seen the running list at the start with these three elite runners, including one Kenyan runner, who actually, Shebet, who actually pulled out at the 22 mile mark, and uh, this guy found himself the winner, much to his uh, surprise and delight, I suppose. So that was great to see local runners. Um, talking about marathon uh, registrations and all of that sort of thing, Big Sur are opening their registration on the 15th of July and they're trying a new concept this year. Uh, earlier we reported about the Standard Chartered Singapore having a Facebook competition or a social media competition to try and think of a new way of giving runners a chance to get involved in these events and once these events start to sell out uh, in so such a quick time and so many people miss out, race directors are looking at ways of trying to, I don't know, even the score a little bit. And last year, Big Sur had four separate random, or four separate uh, event openings. And what happened with these was as first in, best dressed. So you camped on your computer, tried to get in, and the first so or so 100,000 did. Now this year they're trying four random draws. They're, they've divided it into four groups and the first one is for newcomers. So there are 1,725 places for newcomers. Then there's a loyalty runners draw. If you've run Big Sur more than once before, you can enter in this sort of 450 spots. Then there's a locals draw. 
as well, so 200 spots for locals. And then in the next group is for groups of people of two to six or more, and there are 300 spots available for those. So they're going to try this method to see if it's any fairer, and these are going to be random draws. So the idea is on the 15th at 9am you register into each of those different components, and then the draw begins on August the 26th. Oh, sorry, there's a last chance draw as well on August 26th. So they're going to try this method out. And uh, then there's also the Boston to Big Sur. There are 400 places available for them as well. Uh, also a random draw, though, to get in there. You can also purchase places, and this is another way that many runners are trying to guarantee their place in some of these highly regarded races. And uh, for about $430 US, you can purchase your place in the Big Sur Marathon. So just a way that different race directors are trying to, I don't know, break down the uh, the concept of their event to try and get more runners in, but rather than crash their computers with everyone trying to enter at the one time. Um, another interesting little tidbit there, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon Marathon is to be held on the 25th of July, but instead of a marathon, due to roadworks, they now have to have two half marathons. So this means that if you were trying to run the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon Marathon, you can't until 2016. But what you can do, organisers have tried to appease runners by having a half marathon on the Saturday, the 25th, and then a full marathon, oh, sorry, another half marathon on July 26th. So the idea is that you can try and get a Rock the Canyon marathon by running two half marathons on each day instead of the one full marathon on the 25th. So just another problem that sometimes comes during um, marathon entry. It's not as simple as it sounds. And, of course, the other piece of news was that Scott Direct did break the Appalachian Trail record by only a few hours, as it turned out in the end. We were watching that with great interest on social media. Was the clock going to beat him or was he going to get there? Went without sleep for the last uh, day or so to try and get through, and he did. I think also uh, the news on... uh Jamie's run for depression. We we interviewed Jamie last week, and both good news and bad news, I suppose, or, or disappointing news. For, on the on the on the uh, the good news front was that uh, several thousand dollars were raised. Um, lots of people turned up, and Jamie did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, the only sort of drawback, I suppose, was that uh, Jamie experienced kidney problems, and he ended up not being able to run the whole hundred and five kilometres himself. But I think he he sort of did. 60 or 70 of it, the lion's share, and then the kidney problems struck. Uh, friends and family and other people who were helping jumped in and did the extra laps up until the very last lap when he came back out and did the last lap together with everyone. So uh, what a mighty, mighty effort. And yes. I think uh, I think he made the point, and I think it's a really good one, that you know, that's what dealing with depression is all about is relying and and you know, sometimes you've got to call on family and friends to help out. And so in the spirit of what the, the day was about, that's that's kind of was ironic yeah. that that's the way it worked out. So that's true. Uh, certainly a, a good way to look at it. And a bit, again, once again, a big congratulations to Jamie for a magnificent uh, effort, a magnificent achievement. Um, certainly raised a lot of awareness as well as the money. And um, 
Look forward to seeing him out in the trail soon. Indeed. I hope he's, uh, hope he's one, that his uh, kidney recovery was fast, and two, that uh, there's always a way of learning, picking up. And so with his, with his uh, uh, focus set on the 100 kilometres for uh, Surf Coast Century, that he'll have learnt something, uh, whatever caused the problem this time, and can avoid that in the future. Yes, indeed, indeed. Learning the hard way, unfortunately, is is often often the way of running and and life. There you go. Okay. Any more of the news? Anyone? Did you no, I was it? just going to lead straight into our big discussion point today about the standard chartered KL marathon. Did and you I suppose catch up on the Belfast half. The no, no, you had a little bit of a tidbit. Oh, there. that was a bit of a schmozzle there, and I just. Uh, Runners were quite upset. Some of the things they're upset about didn't overly grab me, but a few, a few, you know, like they didn't get a shirt or they weren't happy with it, whatever. But um, some of the the more significant complaints was uh, advertised as a measured course, but it wasn't, and it was short. Um, late start. Some runners missed the start. Um, minimal water stops. Uh, no official start or finish line. Well, that's a bit uh, strange. No paces. Well, you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. you have them, mm-hmm. you don't. Um, medals were advertised, but then they didn't get them. On and on it goes. So very few marshals on the course. But, you know, 100 runners missed the start. Uh, they, they, they said, the race started about 45 to 50 minutes late, and a number of runners were left behind because there was no PA system to let them know the race had started. That's pretty late. Like when you've just said a late start, you know, sometimes we do have a Five maybe minutes, 10, 10 minutes, 15 yeah. minutes delay if there's not complete road closure or there's some sort of issue with weather or timing systems not quite ready to go. But that's huge, 50 minutes late. And then you can understand why you might miss the start with that. And, of course, once again, there are runners that travel for these events um, as well and not sure what's going on, expecting better service than that if you are paying your entry in to participate into an event like that. Yeah, I that. think shambles yeah. seems to be the word and, and, mm. and I think on those key issues of, of uh, you know, start, safety, distance, they, they messed up. So um, it doesn't happen too often but it does happen sadly on the odd occasion. Yeah. Okay, so yes, the big the big story that we want to talk mm. about is, and this is, uh, I think, a schmozzle is... Uh, well, I suppose is the should, word, yeah, and uh, and you know, lots of lots of action. So, I suppose we go back and um, we'll set the scene of the date and what actually happened with the original opening, perhaps of the the marathon. It, it did open uh, about a month ago. The registration and for a date which was set as the fourth of October. Yes, yeah, so the, Sunday, the fourth of October, eighteenth of uh, May. Uh, the KL. 2015 KL Marathon went on sale, and uh, I think it's four four or five days was sold out with 35,000 people. So as you do, people applied for leave from their holidays. That was a uh, race was going to be on the on the Sunday the the fourth of October. People applied for leave. They booked their airline tickets. They booked hotels. They did all those things. And again, as as you often do, once you've confirmed your race entry, then you know there's the hotel for 100 dollars a night. If you pay in advance, or 130, if you want to cancel it, so people go. Oh, now I know I'm going. I'll yep take the you know the confirmed. Um, similarly, you know airline tickets. If you once you know you're going, 
well, tap yep. a cheaper ticket. You don't have to change it, that sort of stuff. So people made all their arrangements and started training and looking forward to KL Marathon on the four, Sunday, the 4th of October. Then? Then uh, a news announcement came from the government, from the Malaysian government, that the race was going to be moved to Saturday the 10th of October for National Sports Day. And this was the first ever National Sports Day to be held in this country, so first ever. And they wanted the marathon to be the flagship event for this inaugural National Sports Day. So it would have to move, um, and that would be the case. It would be celebrated throughout the country but the marathon would now be the highlight of it. Yes, a few of the snippets from the press release that came out on July the 13th. It was at the uh, Standard Chartered KL Marathon 2015 moves to October 10th as part of the National Sports Day, flagship marathon of the first ever National Sports Day. This is a press statement from the Ministry of Youth and Sports. Uh, the inaugural... National Sports Day, which will fall on the 10th of October 2015, will see the Standard Chartered KL Marathon as the flagship event in its activity lineup. Um, and on it goes, uh, National Sports Day will be celebrated simultaneously at district, state, and national level uh, on the second day of October, second Saturday of October, uh, each year following the inaugural event. The celebration has multiple objectives, inculcating a sporting culture, promoting unity stimulating economic growth and growing sporting knowledge and recognising sporting talent. I just need to pause there with a bit of a chuckle as the uh, yeah. promoting unity, mm. well, it seems to have split <laughs> the running community apart. Uh, so stimulating economic growth, well, people cancelling their tickets and not being able to get refunds and, and crossing KL and uh, Malaysian running off their list of places to go to, that's not going to assist there with the yes. stimulating economic growth uh, and uh, growing sporting knowledge and recognising sporting talents. Mm, well, maybe. Um, we thank Durgo Events and Standard Chartered Bank for agreeing to move the marathon in support of National Sports Day, said the Minister. Uh, a lot of the comments from people who seem to be in the know is that maybe it was just a case of the government says you've got to move it and they there had two choices. Option. You could mm -hmm. move it or you could move mm -hmm. it. So... Uh, not sure to what degree it was uh, everybody embracing it, but going along. Um, and they're talking about you know, working with people to make the transition as smooth as possible. Yes, I like the, uh, the next line. We recognise that the date change will pose some challenges. Some challenges. Well, mm. within hours of uh, that hitting the streets, People were posting the press release uh, and off they went. Lots of disappointed people, lots of upset people. And as is the way of the world in this day and age, without within a very short period, a uh, Facebook page appeared. Uh, and now I think it's up to uh, sort of 1,500 likes already, just sort of coming out overnight. And that is the Bring the uh, Standard Chartered KLM Back to October 4th, Stop Politicising Sporting Events uh, page is there. And I thought it was worth probably just 
reading, uh, Sue, and you're you're probably the person to to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the description and and some of the key points that they've they've raised right. here in terms of because it really just covers the, I think summarizes the arguments. So we might do a few little pauses, but if you yeah, go just for it, start from the top. Yeah. Um, it is shocking to learn that an international marathon, which is the pride of the runners in Malaysia, has taken a twist after its successful launching on May 18th, 2015. The event has managed to garner 35,000 participations in less than five days. This is indeed a very proud achievement for the running community and the organiser. However, all the good work has just been tossed down the drain with the recent announcement from the Ministry of Sports on the postponement of the marathon to coincide with the inaugural National Sports Day. We would like to bring to the attention of Y.B. Kieri Jamaladunun, the Sports Minister and the organisers of the SCKLM 2015, that this change has inconvenienced many and has indeed jeopardised the good name of the event at national and international level. Before you even make the decision, you should have before you even made the decision, you should have considered the following. And these are the points. And I think this is, this is, this is where the, they, they go and summarise the argument, mm. and I think they do a pretty pretty good job of it. So, Yep, so the first point is that October 10th is a Saturday, which means that those that have to work on Saturday and who cannot take leave will be forced to miss the marathon. And those who work and stay outside Kuala Lumpur may not be able to take leave to travel on Friday to get to the city for the race. So that's a very valid point. Saturday is quite a different day to Sunday for many, many participants. So that that that's that's having that first one is one of the ways it's going to have a big impact on Malaysians mm. people, whether they live in KL or you know somewhere within Malaysia. Exactly. Now the second point: many outstation runners, and I'm using the direct words from this, but basically many people living outside outside of KL. KL. Um, may have bought their flight tickets already. And since the marathon doesn't cover refunds for air tickets, runners who don't want to pay for another ticket will be forced to miss the marathon. And uh, that could be an international ticket. It might be a ticket from somewhere else within the Asian region. Um, It could be a lot of money, might not be that much, but uh, when you take into consideration the event costs, it's still going to be a considerable fee. So that's the second point. Now, the third point, there are thousands of foreign participants who have bought their flight tickets and booked their hotel accommodation, as well as applied to leave from work to spend time in KL. And this is not going to reflect well on our tourism. And this is the comment you made about the further repercussions for years to come with any event potentially in or outside KL. Um, there now number four. There are nine other races in Malaysia being held on the tenth and eleventh of October. Instead of being able to participate in two events, the SCKL Marathon and one of the races will, which will be held on the tenth and eleventh of October. So runners will be forced to choose between them and only participate in one race. Now. I did actually notice on social media too that now this is being moved to the same day as the Chicago Marathon and there are a few participants that 
are travelling to Chicago for the Chicago Marathon too. So that's it's coinciding with a World Marathon major, which is going to put a little bit of a dent in. Um, so point number five, some runners may choose to miss this event because of the perceived political interference by the Minister and Ministry of Youth and Sports. So I suppose that's making a political comment by boycotting the event due to the interference. So that's something else as well. Now, number six, some runners may choose to miss this event because the because the experience of running on the roads in KL on a Saturday with the increased traffic on the roads, which are not fully closed, will be less enjoyable compared with running on a Sunday with a lower amount of traffic. Now, that is a major one to my... It's not complete road closure. So imagine the traffic chaos both for workers in the city and for runners trying to deal with Saturday traffic. So that point number six is going to be a, yes. a real, real yep. disaster. So number seven, the change of date does not only inconvenience the participants but also the hundreds of volunteers who may not be able to make it to the new dates. So that's a valid one. Race directors are always looking for volunteers. So we hereby strongly urge the sports minister to restore SCKLM 2015 to its original date of October the 4th. Stop hijacking a well-organised and established running event which is the pride of the running community in Malaysia. Likewise, you may just declare the month of October as National Sports Month to do justice to the running community. And it is signed from the running community and those who love running in Malaysia. So you can go there if you want to check that out to the bring mm. the uh, SCKLM back to October for Stop Politicising Sporting Events uh, page on Facebook. Um, join the conversation, join in more and more there. Um, I, think the, I think the damage to the reputation and, and to this as an event in future years is you know, quite significant. Like, oh, yeah. Why, why would people put it on their list of races to do um, when you've seen this kind of chopping and changing? Oh, it, the it government just... can change it once, they can change it again. And I think you know, people understand that if you know, you've got an earthquake or if you've got natural disasters Disaster, yeah. or you've got sure. you know, safety-type issues fine but th but this is quite quite a bizarre i've never heard of such a sort of a a change and it it, it is cl quite close like we're not talking about something that is 12 months away and we've changed the date it's it's inside the last few months of many people's race calendars would be planned yep. and uh, you know i just i i'm trying to compare it to something um within Australia, that if they suddenly changed the date and just the way the Australian population would react the same way. But we're talking about 35,000 entrants here. This is a huge yeah, number yeah, of people. Is, you know, and a city that of, just does not shut down. One of the world's biggest marathons. Uh, you know, as is a guess, I'd, I'd suggest it's uh, probably in the top 20 in terms of numbers. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a significant world city event and you know you imagine them changing the paris marathon because the government wanted to have a sports thing i mean the thing i just think is crazy is that they could have left it exactly where it is and made a big song and dance of you know we're kicking off the celebration of our national sports day next saturday and we're starting the week with the, the kale marathon we've got all the international people in town and um, used it to promote the following week uh as the national sports mm. day so it just didn't 
didn't need to be done. I can't see that it's going to actually, well, clearly it's not going to add value because it's going to cause such a, a negative uh, experience for somebody. Yeah. Well, what, what, what would your thoughts be if uh, you'd been involved in this and we, we had actually, which we had at one stage thought, oh, you know, that would be that would be quite Oh, I think you'd be, quite, you'd be quite distressed, do. and and again, it, I think you know on one of the things where I had posted about this, you know, the question was raised: Well, does uh, an event like this get is it covered by uh, travel insurance? What so you know because a lot of people wouldn't be able to change their date, um, and they've got other commitments. Yeah, yes, got it's other not a health on, issue on your part that you, know, you can't travel; it's so, you can still travel. And what about the, the sponsors themselves? Now, if I was the sponsor and I've had all this ill will against my event uh, with my name plastered on the event, would I be so keen to renew my sponsorship beyond the contracted period? Yes, I suppose you, you would worry that. I mean, the, the balance there is you'll have all this hysteria and a lot of sponsors, I think, will you know react, oh, this is terrible for us, mm. whatever else. But the other side of the coin, I think, is who's going to blame the sponsors? Oh, it's, it's not clear. blaming the sponsors. No, no, but, no. But in terms yeah, of so sure. the backlash against sponsors is unlikely to actually be a backlash. Yes. What is what yeah. I'm saying is that that the perception of oh, you know, it's terrible. You know, the sponsors are going to suffer for this. Well, I think we need to give people a bit more, probably a bit more credit than that. And you know, when it's all said and done, who's going to blame the sponsors? I don't think anybody is. So if the, if the sponsors are concerned about. Um, damage to their brand, I think that's probably an overreaction. They should be concerned about the inconvenience to mm. the people that they're trying to, to reach their target audience. And it'll be interesting to see what the numbers do actually change to, If it, presuming this stays on Saturday, October the 10th. So we had 35,000 entries. Now, this is a, we're talking about a hugely populated area and a lot of locals involved. Will it drop down to 15,000? Will it drop down to 20,000? Yeah, what, it'd be interesting to see what the numbers do actually change to. And of course, because they sold out in a couple of days, so if you take out all the internationals and the locals who can't do it, uh, will they reopen and will they still get their 35,000, but just you know, five or ten of them will be different? Yeah, that's... It'll be interesting the, to yeah, see. Indeed. All right, on with the show. Ask Sue. Do you have a question you'd like answered? Why not send us a message, a tweet, or post your question on the Partner Running Facebook page? Take it away, Sue. One of the problems that new runners in particular struggle with is trying to breathe when they're running. And this is a question that I've been asked quite frequently is how should I breathe when I'm running? And often we think about, well, how should I run? How do I land with my feet? Do I land on my toes, my heels? How do I swing my arms? How quickly do I stride? Do I take fast steps, long steps, big steps, small steps? But running and breathing is one of the challenges that, particularly new runners, when it's a struggle to try and breathe as they run, ask. Now, an author of uh, a book called Running On Air, and his name is Coates, describes a technique for runners to breathe in for three steps and breathe out for three steps. And this is a technique that he is saying allows you to run faster and train much more accurately. 
Most runners, without even thinking about it, breathe in for two, out for two. So it's a very even sort of breathing technique and it helps them get into a rhythm. It's synchronised with their pace or with their stride. And many coaches actually recommend this because it makes sure that you breathe out rather than hold your breath and then be gasping for air. So we get into an even breathing rhythm. But the author of this book suggests that there's an argument against this style of breathing because it means that as we breathe in and out, we're always landing on the same foot each time. And a study has suggested that when the exhalation of our breath is always the same, coinciding with the same foot, it's more likely to lead to injury and stress on that side of our bodies. And so it's an interesting theory. When you think about it, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, and I'm landing, and my body's relaxing as I land, so collapsing slightly on the same side. Now, there's no real evidence to support this. There's not been a study done to really find some concrete evidence to suggest that there is long-term injury. So it's a theory, but one that maybe does have some merit when you think about it. So this suggestion of taking breath in for three steps and out for three steps means that we land on a different alternating side as we breathe out and uh, therefore that evens up the body a little bit. If that, as we run faster, we can't maintain the 3-3, three, three, it's suggested to try a breathing in for two, out one. So breathe out quickly and the suggestion with this is that it means that we're exhaling quicker, which is creating more force, and therefore we breathe in uh, a more full amount of air to give us the energy to try and get a faster effort or to run faster. But breathing patterns are valuable because they do put us in touch with how hard we're running. So as our breathing pattern needs to change, we know that we're working harder. And sometimes you can actually change your breathing pattern to try and push faster or push harder. There's also the um, suggestion that trying um, a 3-2 breathing pattern rather than a 3-3 three, three, uh, might, might help this situation as well, make you go a little bit faster. Um, Chi running advocates this 3-2 method uh, where you do take a, a more gradual, a bigger breath in on the strides and then a quicker exhalation and it makes you create more force of air moving throughout your body. Um, another coach suggests the opposite, that breathing in for two and out for three with that longer exhalation makes you take a quick breath in. It's not so good for stabilising the core. And that's another reason for the 3-3 or the 3-2 breathing is that it teaches you to try and breathe through the diaphragm and not through the chest. And that means abdominal breathing, getting a smoother breathing technique, um, not using your chest and taking big gasping breaths quickly through the chest, which can lead to hyperventilation and then even making you feel dizzy. So in answer to the breathing of how do I, how should I breathe when I'm running, when I when I'm running, 
Two-two is a good way to get started, just making sure you breathe evenly rather than unevenly. But then as you become a little bit more aware of your body, a little bit more used to running and more experienced runners should perhaps try the breathe in for three, out for three and see if that helps them even up their stride rather than rolling to one side all the time as they breathe. So just some food for thought about how should I breathe when I'm running. That was the Ask Sue segment of the Partner Running Show. If you have a question for Sue, please post it on the Partner Running Facebook page or email us at radio at partnerrunning.com. You're listening to the Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine. Well, our uh, feature segment today on the Partner Running Show is uh, 13.2 workouts for marathon success. And uh, let's get straight to it. The point two is uh, just to round it off to the... uh, that extra little touch of something which is a non-running per se workout, just to add it, so, something a little bit different because it sounds different to thirteen. So there you go, mm-hmm. for no other reason than that. So let's stick. Let's go through the first of the first thirteen uh, or the uh, half marathon uh, mile number of uh, workouts. And first of all, this is the one that um, we sort of learnt many years ago from uh, I think Jeff. Galloway calls it the magic mile, and we often refer to it as the mile trial. Um, why would we be using the mile trial, Sue, as part of our marathon training? Well, it assesses, or our half marathon yeah, training. Well, it assesses uh, both basically where you are now and uh, what your potential is for building up to your race. Yes, I think uh, it is a good predictor as to what what time you can expect to achieve within the training cycle for your marathon. And uh, I think Jeff, uh, with vast experience in this area, um, suggests that you can expect maybe a three, but no more than a 5% improvement. So um, if all things, if you follow the plan, all things go as well as can be expected, then the, the mile trial is going to take you to what you should train for there. You might improve by 3%, at best 5%, but you're not going to go, uh, it's unrealistic to think you're going to improve more than that within one training Training cycle. cycle. Mm -hmm. Of course, once you've been through once, retested, then you you can improve. Uh, And of course, the mile trial uh, or the magic mile is a good thing to do about every four weeks through your 16-week training period just to gauge where you're up to. So not a lot of uh, training value per se in just in the single miles, but they are part of the overall program. Uh, the second thing you might uh, incorporate into your sustainable marathon training, so the second workout? Um, is the tempo run. And the tempo run is a sustained speed session and it's performed at goal race pace or slightly above, and it goes for a, oh, slightly above for a longer duration, 15 to 30 minutes maybe? Yeah, 45 max I reckon. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's just 
it's a good way of working on your speed. I think that's the, the yeah your leg turnover, being able to actually move your legs that little bit faster. Aspect. Okay, uh, the next one. Well, the easy recovery or recovery run often described, and, you know, we shouldn't forget about recovery runs because, you know, they're really important um, as well as intense workouts. Uh, they sort of help shake out your legs after you've had a hard session and they flush out lactic acid. Um, basically, they're performed at a very low aerobic pace and uh, they shouldn't be too long in duration as well because they are about recovery. Okay, so that is the recovery run, and again, it's sort of a. Often, I think people can get into the trap of just heading out for a run, and that's kind of the they go as the easy run. So you need to build them into the program and incorporate them with everything else. Um, not you know, because you can get into that pattern of just doing running at the one pace all the time, and it tends to be come your your easy or recovery pace. Okay, speed repeats is the next one, the number fourth on our list. Now, speed repeats, so we normally do it at the track or on, in my case, because I can't run around the bends because of my arthritis in my hip, I'll run on a, like a trail where I've measured out 400, 800, 1,000 mile type things. So what are some of the examples of speed repeats and why would you be doing them? Well, the speed repeats, uh, we've got a couple of options. You could do 800 metre speed re repeats, which is, I think, known as the Yasu 800s. Great way to do um, repeating a distance, giving yourself some rest and then go again. Or 1600 metre um, repeats as well. And these are also not so much how fast can I run, how sort of much can I surge, but trying to get to a state that is you know, fast but learning about yourself and your speed. So the uh, in terms of our marathon training and success for our coaching programs, the, the 800 or the 1600 are really the staples of the speed work. So Yeso's uh, 800s, uh, developed by Bart Yeso from uh, Runner's World, basically works on the basis that you run your 800 at the time that you want to run the marathon, but converted into minutes and seconds for the 800. So if I want to run a three-hour 30 marathon, then I run three minutes, 30 seconds for 800 metres. If I want to run a four-hour marathon, then I run a four-minute 800. And I think you build up to uh, up to 13 over time is, is the, the process. Uh, the one that which we <laughs> use and, are, and I think is better for new marathoners and where I would start people is with the mile repeats. And these are great... Uh, either at the track or, 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 I guess I said, in a straight straight line on a sort of a track or a trail, um, and that's the mile repeats. And again, every second week you might be building them up, them up uh, from sort of two, four, up to about 13. So a mm. great <laughs> workout. Now for also shaking it up with speed uh, repeats, you can do pyramid sessions. So you might go down and do, uh, you know, 200, 400, 800, 1,200 mile, and then reverse that. Lots of different variations and options yeah. there. Yeah, and I think the main thing is that, to just highlight again, speed repeats aren't going down and running 50 metres as fast as you can and doing it again and again and again if you're marathon training. Yep. Okay, uh, number five on our of our 13.2 uh, workouts for marathon success. Hill repeats. 
it's a great way, even if your target race doesn't contain a lot of hills, um, if you want to build up your leg strength, um, especially, well, especially if you are going to be running a hilly marathon, but if you just want to build up your leg strength in general, hill repeats are a great way to do that. Um, hill repeats are a way of building power, which means getting strength and speed into your legs and it does it does translate across to the same type of muscle fibers that are that you are running with when you're trying to run faster these are the fast twitch power muscles so hill repeats great way of building strength and that ultimately can translate to speed in your run i think the one of the benefits of the hill repeats for everybody is these are great in the lead into your 12 or 16 week program they're a great sort of conditioning workout and then depending on the race that you're doing would would vary as to how much you're using hill repeats through the full training program. Um, if it's a flattish course, then as the program goes on, you might be doing a little bit less on the hill repeats. Uh, if you've got a race that's got lots of hills, then not only would you be keeping the hill repeats up to a couple of weeks before the race, but you'll also be ensuring that you have, you're, you're doing your other workouts with the exception of, say, the speed track stuff, um, on hills. So mm. you'd be doing your long runs, you'd be doing some of your speed work in in places which are quite undulating. And of course there are lots of different types of hills. You can do quick short hills or you can do longer, less gradient hills. They all help build up and, leg strength. And uh, I suppose with the hill repeats also can often include the stairs. So you know, yes. if you get a, you know, a block of 100 stairs or something, zipping up and down there is is, is particularly good on the on the mm. strength aspect. And, and as we know, for some races, is kind of extra useful. Okay, number six on our list of uh, 13 workouts is the, the fartlek. Um, a bit of a variation in some ways, or, or, or cousin maybe, we might say, of the tempo run. Um, a fartlek is great. And we mentioned earlier, I think, when we talked about the easy and recovery runs, that often people just get into a, a pattern of a pace, and they mm. run at a single pace. Uh, and the, what the fartlek involves is, you know, you might run f- faster than race pace uh, for a minute or two, you know, every five minutes. You might break it up. So you're sort of like doing these spurts or bursts of faster, slower. So um, I think people talk about anywhere from you know, 30 seconds up to a couple of minutes, five minutes maybe, um, and then dropping it back a bit. So it's a nice variation and way of Yeah, and it, look, it, it just – it does – stop us or prevent us settling into that one running pace that we just turn the legs over and creates a bit of interest too, a bit of fun if you're with a group where you say let's pick up the pace to the next tree or something along those lines um, just for variation and enjoy a little bit more enjoyment potentially in your running too. Okay, uh, number seven on the list. Oh, the, the big one. The long run. Uh, look, this might seem you know, pretty obvious that we do need to sort of work on long runs, but look, they really are critical for the marathon training. And often we suggest, look, if, if you know, you're going to miss a run session, um, particularly one of the others, it's no really big deal for your ultimate success. But the long runs are the building blocks of our marathon training. And they're the ones that you really want to try and make sure that you put into your program at all costs. So a general guide, every second week, you might be uh, going up by uh, a K or two or three mm. up until... And for most most newbie marathoners, then, you know, three to three and a half hour max, um, you know, maybe it's the 30 to 35K kind of... Beyond that, you start to, you know, run the risk of getting fatigued uh, and injured. So sort of 
don't want to go over distance, but you know the long run is the stable, and it gets you within striking distance. And again, I mean, people often ask the question, well, but you know the marathon's forty-two kilometres or twenty-six miles, and you know I've only run twenty or twenty miles, or I've only run you know thirty, thirty-five. You know, am I going to make it? Well, you allow that. You know, you're going to taper, you're going to recover, you're going to be fresh, um, you're going to have everything ideal. You're going to have the atmosphere, and you're going to have the thing. And so, you know. That extra five or ten, you, you might slow down a bit, and almost certainly will, but you're still going to get there. So getting there is not the issue. Um, if you're an experienced marathoner and uh, looking to to really work on your time, then maybe your long run's going to be is going to be longer and and different. But for people getting started in your first, you know, probably five to ten marathons, that's that's kind of the space you want to be in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Uh, uh, again, another one that sort of, in some ways, is up there with the the tempo and the the fartlek is the race pace workout. And of course, you know, you, if you're going to run at a sustained pace for your event, you need to practice that. And some of your workouts, your speed, your fartleks, you're going to include running faster than your actual race pace. Uh, but your actual race pace workout yeah. is good to go out and do. You know, probably up to uh, up to at least half your distance of your event. Um, Occasionally at race pace, and I think that the uh, innovation of GPS watches, of apps that show the speed we're running at, help runners actually try and duplicate race pace because we've kind of worked out the numbers of where we need to run at for race pace for our race goal, and by having these devices, you can automatically tell whether you're going too fast, too slow, and it's a really good gauge. And, you know, it may be that you need to adjust your goal a little bit if you just can't maintain race pace too. Yeah, I'm, um, we have a bit, bit of a rap for having at least a couple of K every week within one of your other runs that's done at race pace because... You want, you know, ideally, you want to know what your race pace is without looking at your watch. Yeah, to what it feels like. You want to, you want to train yeah. yourself to being really good at that. Um, often you see people, that they're just guided completely by the watch uh, and they kind of lose their sense of feel. You actually want to train yourself to be there and you want to just be comfortable and know when you're running at the right, the right pace. That's race pace. Now, a, a variation there on that is uh, to actually do some racing workouts and uh, mm. number Numbers nine and ten on our list incorporate those, and of course, so they are the the ten k uh, race and the half marathon. And there's probably some space. The ten k, a lot more in terms of maybe the build up to your to your final marathon program. So it's a good in between programs uh, event. But incorporating a couple of ten k races through your twelve or sixteen weeks, and similarly the half marathon. You know, one or two of those. Are, as a build-up is also kind of helpful. Yes. Uh, look, 10K is one of those events that forces you, if you if you really are trying to push yourself at a particular pace, that asks you to work on endurance, get your breathing set. Um, it's not so much uh, a lot of the conditions that you're going to experience during your marathon. It's going to be a much more intense experience, but it really does give your cardiovascular system, like give your heart, lungs a really good workout and uh, also a little bit of running technique as well of trying to pick up your stride pace as well. Um, I think it's a great aerobic workout that pushes you uh, much harder than muscularly-wise but really pushes you. And the half marathon, then 
we have to temper back that speed that maybe we've worked at in the 10K to try and sustain longer again, but starting to get into the point of muscle fatigue of trying to sustain a pace. So one of them is really cardio system based, the 10K. Then when you start to get into that half marathon, you're starting to get the muscle fatigue as well. And uh, it, it's really a great learning tool of how you're going to so I think there's a good benefit for both. Okay, so number 11 on, on the list of uh, 13 uh, marathon workouts or workouts for marathon success is what we call the dress rehearsal. Uh, and what this involves is is uh, you know, a long run, but we'll talk a little bit more about what that might actually encompass in a moment. But it's, it's, a, it's a significant run where you're in the same clothes, outfit, shoes, everything that you're going to wear on race day. Ideally, it's done in similar conditions at a similar time of the day. Uh, so if it's, you know, most marathons are in the morning, um, depending on the, where you are in the world, but assuming it's in the morning, you know, you're going to go out and do your, your training run in the morning. If it is an afternoon or, or late in the day marathon, then again, you want to do this run at that time of the day if possible. Uh, you want to eat the night before and the morning of your run or the lead up to your run on that day and during the run, all the kinds of things that you're going to do for your big race. So it's a full dress rehearsal. Uh, now, the two types of runs that I think you can do this with is your last or your last two or three, you might do it a couple of times, long runs. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to do this. Uh, the other one is on a variation of your long run. So let's say instead of running 25K or 30K as your long run, you might try take it back. 5k and you might incorporate a mixture of some race pace and some long run so a nice way might be yeah, you might do your warm up run 5 to 10k at race pace and then run the rest at your long run pace or the other way around even better maybe is to do it long run and then do a, a, a good 5 to 10k burst and then a cool down and finish it off. So a real dress rehearsal is a, is a, you know, a good way of knowing that everything's tested and you're good to go on, on race day. Uh, number 12 on our list is a favourite of mine that I like to incorporate. That's what I call the circuit run. And it's kind of a mixture of a couple of different things. It'll have, I suppose, some sort of fartlek type uh, work. It'll have the easy and easy and recovery aspects of the warm-up and slow down. But I like to go and do this at one of my local parks where there's lots of benches and maybe some uh, hanging frames and things like that. And so what I'll do is like I'll run for 5 to 10, 15 minutes to get there and then do a couple of laps of the park. And, and about every two or 300 metres, I'll be stopping to do you know, a set of push-ups. You know, I might do 20 push-ups. Then you run onto a bench and you might do you know, 20 dips and then another bench and it's uh, step-ups. Uh, then you might find the, the hanging frame, and so then you do some pull-ups, uh, and you, you could you could incorporate you know, six to ten different body uh, exercises, you know, lunges, squats, uh, those things. You don't actually need steps and benches and things. Some of them you can just do standalone. And you know, for a lot of runners, they don't like going to the gym. They don't like doing other workouts that aren't running. This is a good way of mixing your running but doing that overall body strengthening. So 
Yeah, no, it's a brilliant concept. There are obviously there are a few parks and places around, like uh, in in Melbourne, the Tan as such, and uh, in Queensland, I know there's that stretch along yeah, Perth, the Gold Coast and Perth. That they've got workout stations on the usual run course. So if you're a little bit sort of not quite sure what you should be doing, there are these places that do have workout stations already made for you. But why not be uh, creative in your own space about the exercises that work best for you too. Yeah, and I think it is, you've got, you know, what's your, what's your standard sorts of things that you really want to be doing here? You want to be doing your push-ups. Mm. You want to be doing your dips. You want to be doing lunges. You want to be doing squats. If you can at all, doing the, the chin-up uh, bar. You want to do sit-ups. Um, variations yeah, of those kinds of things. Yeah, all sorts of different, yeah, um, all the major muscle groups, yep. just anything you can think of. And be surprised at the body strength that you can get and the impact or assistance that that will give to your running. Uh, so that's that's uh, number twelve is the circuit run. Uh, number thirteen, the last of the of the on your feet activities. Again, one not to be overlooked, and that is the walk. Why are we going to do the walk as part of our marathon training, Sue? Well, it really eases out our legs and tight muscles in a way. Uh, it's a way of getting circulation going through your body, helping the muscles recover, um, but at the same time, it's not a strain on them. So we're not sort of pushing them through stretching and discomfort but it's helping the circulation flow through and let our legs really recover. So great, great way of uh, easing out your body. And, of course, uh, worst-case scenario here is if something does go wrong on race day, uh, you know, maybe it's a bad cramps or maybe you're really ill and you actually need to do a bit of walking through your marathon, then by having done a bit of walk training and practice, again, it just can mm. add to that sort of variation. So... Yeah, as you say, a rec- primarily a, re- a recovery type activity, but um, worth incorporating. Yeah, it could be incorporated into your uh, long runs or your actual event day too. And now, last but not least, is our our extra little bit, our point two. And I suppose in hindsight, we might have probably called it the point seven or the point eight because we're suggesting here that the water run is uh, another great running workout or on your feet workout to incorporate in your marathon training. And the reason I say Maybe we should have said 0.7 or 0.8 is because we've seen some of the literature around which suggests that you can sustain 70% of your run fitness, road running fitness, through water running. So it doesn't give you 100%, but it can be quite significant. So it is, it's, whilst it's not on the, the road, we don't give it the full one, but we just give it a bit of a, you know, encouragement to incorporate that in, into a sustainable uh, marathon or or running training program, and you can do drills, you can do long runs, you can do all sorts of things. It's great because it takes the um, the weight bearing activity away, but it is running, and I actually find that it's very good for my running form. I get a lot of, I actually run better after I've done a sustained, you know, one or two water runs a week for a couple of weeks. Good, good. Now, within our 13.2 workouts for marathon running success, we don't have cross-training. We have included those, but we're not overlooking them. We're just, that's for a separate time and place. So so your things like your yoga, your your indoor cycle, um, some people like to swim, whatever it may be that you're doing, your core strength activity, uh, we're not suggesting, we're not neglecting that. That's just a different topic. Yes. All right. That brings us to the end of our 13.2 marathon or training workouts for sustained marathon success. The road ahead. Join us as we take a quick peek at a few of next weekend's running events.
We've got Sora in India. We've got Jakob Marathon in Finland, Aspen Valley. We've got Kindle Marathon in Colorado, Alaska Salmon Runs, uh, Laos's Seenland 100, Lunatics Marathon in Wisconsin, De Pays Basque in France, De Perditos in Brazil, Midsommar Avond in the Netherlands, Morgan Valley in Utah, the Tin Cup Challenge in Idaho, Totem to Totem in British Columbia, mm. Wild Woman Trail in Washington. There's not much on. It's the middle of summer in the Northern Hemisphere and we are off to run. The Yuyangs. The Yuyangs. Uh, on this weekend, the trail running festival there, and we will be heading out for the Hardcore 100 uh, mile event beginning on Saturday morning. So that's going to be very exciting for us. Well, folks, thank you very much for tuning into the Partner Running Show. Please uh, go on and check out the um, all the action around the uh, Koala Lumpur or the KL Marathon and the change of date. Uh, Edge supports people who are. Uh, distressed and lost their money there and trying mm. to uh, get that and we'll see you next week on the Partner Running Show have a great week of running thanks Sue thanks folks and uh, drop us a line on Facebook or email if you'd like a topic discussed you're listening to the Partner Running Show with your hosts Couple on the Run Sue and Andrew O'Brien proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine